You're listening to Shit Adults Never Taught Us, the podcast where we talk shit in a good way. Okay, so today is a little bit different than I normally would do. Today I have my brother as a guest, which, you know, could be a little like, let's talk about family. That's not at all what this episode is. He talks about cryptocurrency, fraud surrounding Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, as well as NFTs and what the fuck those are, because I entered this without any knowledge of what that is. And then I also want to put a little disclaimer on this, that we recorded this at the end of February. And so that's when this information was valid. Cryptocurrency, as you guys know, changes minute to minute. So all of the information was with the mindset that we are at the end of February of 2022. It is now April. So keep that in mind when you listen to this episode. If you want a little insight into what my relationship is like with my brother, you have already read about it in the book, but now you get to meet him. So here we are with Seth. Hi, Seth. Welcome to the podcast. For everyone that doesn't know you, you are my brother. But we're not going to talk about that. Today, we're going to talk about NFTs, cryptocurrency, and essentially the changing economy. So that's what we're talking about. Welcome to the podcast. I was so ready to just talk about the brother topic. And now All I right, talk- we can start there. No, NFTs. Let's, let's just dive in. Let's, let's no, no, no. It. Okay, so you're my brother. <laughs> and if you want to talk about what a fantastic older sister I am, I'm not going to say no. I am really awesome. But I don't think that should be the whole podcast. I mean, I just thought it was the fact that in your book, I got the, you know, thanks for being the best brother part. I thought that was just, yeah, I thought that was really just what we were going to talk about on how that was perfectly worded. That's true. You may actually be my first guest that people have already read about in the book. Oh boy. So everybody here already knows a little bit about you. Do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself? Like what you do and where you live and and things like that? I live in the balmy warm weather of chicago at the middle of winter um i think it's yeah it's about 22 degrees right now so all right so what do i do for a living i design ways for other people to catch illicit and fraudulent activity in financial systems so back in the day when i wanted to do criminal justice and when dad was you know working in dc and i was all caught up in the federal law enforcement side of things, I was like, all right, the only way you can catch bad guys is through, you know, CSI, go a murder scene, look at the evidence, and then went to college and realized every crime is financially motivated. And you get to do as much good looking at bank statements and online profiles and things that exist on the dark web. Okay, before we go any further, I have to ask a few questions. So you are talking about financial systems on a federal level. Mm-hmm. How does that differ from financial systems that I might use? Uh, like they're all yeah. So when I talk about like on the federal level, like law enforcement investigations are financially motivated primarily, like most of them. So when it comes to trying to catch people committing crimes, my job is to work for banks or in this case a crypto company, and design a program that allows us to catch illicit activity and individuals trying to you know use our company to commit crime or to launder the money or to defraud victims um, and then report that to law enforcement or on the flip side, help law enforcement if they ever come across a situation involving crypto or the banking system 
and have questions on what they're looking at. I don't want to get too far because I feel like we've already talked about a lot of things that people may not know. What is cryptocurrency? So every time people ask me what cryptocurrency is, it's always funny because everyone has like their their image in the back of their head, that little like gold coin that you see on every newscast where it's like, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a gold Bitcoin or a silver Ethereum coin. I'm like that's... It's, it's not it's a physical dig- coin. It's a digital currency. It's in the name, virtual right there, first words. Yeah, so crypto, the best way to describe it is pseudo-anonymous. So everything is designed where you can't, you can't replicate it in a way that like you can change it and be like, how oh, I never actually sent the money there. Like that money is actually mine. Everything in cryptocurrency exists on a ledger, which means that basically anyone with access to the ledger or the blockchain can see every transaction that's ever happened. So if I was sending you money, they wouldn't see that Seth sent Natasha money, but they would see that like the public wouldn't see it, but they would see that wallet one, two, three, four, five sent to wallet A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And they wouldn't know who owned those, um, but everyone for history will know that money left one, two, three, four, and went to A, B, C, D. Um, and that's what makes crypto different is the fact that it's unalterable, transactions are permanent, and you can't really change the history of transactions through crypto. So how did cryptocurrency come about? That's a great question that no one really has the answer to. Uh, yeah, it's 2008. Um, I mean, before then, like the protocols and how it was being built were being discussed. But in 2008, some guy or guys that went under the name Satoshi Nakamoto published a paper and sent Bitcoin basically from one wallet to the other proof of concept. And that was that. But like to this day, no one knows who any of those parties were. There's because it's anonymous out- wallets. That and just, I think it, it's kind of, everyone just enjoys not knowing. Like there's been, there's been guesses and theories, but like, I think people kind of like the mystery behind who is Satoshi Nakamoto and it just adds to the excitement of crypto. But since then, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of cryptocurrencies. So that's like Banksy. We may never know who they are. Yeah. Except, wait, didn't someone just find out who Banksy was? Nobody really knows. Ah. Uh, that's true. Okay, so cryptocurrency came about for a specific reason, though, right? It was, or this is the rumor, it was to avoid being taken down by a single government or by the economy as a whole, because 2008, something did happen to the economy. We went into a recession and the market crashed. And the rumor is that Bitcoin came about to avoid that happening in the future to all currencies. How accurate is that? I mean, talking to the accuracy, it, it makes sense because the, it came out right as the financial systems were crashing. And the entire concept of cryptocurrency is it's relatively decentralized. So no one person or one jurisdiction or one entity controls Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of these currencies, which means it does give the freedom of like economic decisions kind of back to the public. And doesn't regulate by a government. In ways. So the companies that are involved in it are still regulated. So like that's one of the weird misconceptions is like crypto is fully unregulated and every, it's an open economy. Like that's not really how the world works. You see examples of people getting arrested and thrown in jail for operating unregulated cryptocurrency companies all the time. Well, because you still live in a country, even if cryptocurrency yeah. is not regulated by the government, you still live in a country with laws and you are regulated by the government. 
I mean, look at what just happened in Russia. Without getting too detailed into it, the, basically the Western world shut Russia off from the financial systems and cryptocurrency was just funneling into the country because no matter what kind of financial systems you shut off, cryptocurrency can always circumvent those rules. And how does that affect regulations that you work with? So every day, a uh, new regulation basically is coming out about crypto. Mm -hmm. So our job is to always adapt and make sure that if one country one day says you don't need to be registered as a bank to sell crypto, and the next day they're like, actually, I lied, you definitely do need to be registered as a bank. That hasn't happened yet, but like if that was to come, it's our job to make sure that we are following whatever regulations any country has established to say, all right, this is, if we want to keep selling cryptocurrency, we're going to sell it legally. And these are the rules we have to abide by. Or you can go, there's other companies that just up and leave the country if they change rules. Whole governments have adapted or whole countries have adapted Bitcoin, for example, as a national currency. Looking at you, El Salvador. <laughs> we are. What does that mean for El Salvador as an example? Depending on who you ask, either not much, nothing good, or the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> so they, they establish it as like the only currency of the country. They said it was legal tender, which basically means like you can use it. In... So when it comes to crypto, like there, there's countries out there that are actively just trying to make their own digital currency, like not in like the Bitcoin side of things, right? The Ethereum side of things, but like actually central currencies designed by the government, like that are going to be basically legal tender inside that country. So the Bahamas has, I think it's called like the sand dollar or something uh, along those lines. And like, that's kind of as close as you're going to get to like watching countries adopt cryptocurrency as like a centralized currency. But By them making of, their own currency that just happens to be digital? Yeah. Um, but then it kind of, because it's a central currency, it kind of defeats the decentralized part of crypto. Uh, when you look at like Bitcoin and that side of the things, it's more of the private side, more so like, so it's private public, like public's going to be like the government and regulators and the private side is going to be like Tesla accepting Dogecoin out of the blue for cars. It's hard to describe without getting too detailed, but the problem is it's so volatile of a currency that like you are saying, like if I was to try to buy a McDonald's sandwich with Bitcoin, one day it could be 0.0000012 Bitcoin. Next day it could be 0.13 Bitcoin if it crashes enough. And like that doesn't happen with a stable currency in a country. Like the US dollar, you've never gone to McDonald's and be like, oh, the sandwich is $4. Oh, wait, no, now it's $23. And like that just doesn't really happen. But that's why other currencies are trying to become more stable. Like you have currencies out there that are trying to address that. And how does that change the evaluation of certain products? Because I don't want to spend too much or too little on something. I don't want to overpay for a good by paying for it with Bitcoin. But some people think that they're saving money by paying for things with Bitcoin. It really comes down to the philosophy of like, think of it as like, a stock like if for some reason mcdonald's tomorrow was accepting tesla stock and you bought it at three dollars and you spent some of your stock when it was 35 dollars like technically that was a decent idea because you were spending money you really didn't have like you made it off the fact that the price went up but then 
when Tesla stock went to $1,000, you look back at that $30 decision, you're like, that wasn't the smartest plan I could ever have. Right, because I, I spent, you know, when it was at $30, I spent that money on McDonald's and now I could have made $1,000. Yeah, there's always that story of the guy that sold a pizza, sort of, uh, for Bitcoin. And I was like, I think 8,000 Bitcoin was the price of the pizza, which is worth millions and millions of dollars now. But like at the time, it showed that you could spend Bitcoin on like tangible things. Like it progressed the story anyway. But then you have all those people that tried to open credit cards that gave them Bitcoin rewards back when it was $65,000. And now those rewards are worth less. So So what changes the cost of Bitcoin? What are the factors? And not exclusively Bitcoin, all cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. It goes up and down every day. It's not determined by the market. Like the stock market is open Monday through Friday. It's closed on holidays. Bitcoin can change in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's really cool um, because it's, we'll say cross-jurisdictional. It's probably the best way to describe it. So like the stock market pretty established where like news for that company affects that company. Or like if the tech sector goes down, other tech companies go down with like when Facebook stock went down, the rest of the tech industry went down. When it comes to like crypto, a lot of them follow Bitcoin, but like other aspects change it. So like if the U.S has something that may negatively impact crypto's price, but then the UK comes out and does something super beneficial to Bitcoin at the same time, like the market might move for the UK uh, news more so than it will move for the US news. Does any person or company, or if it's not government-based, is, it, is there a major factor on the individual level that can change it? Depends on the currency. So like when it came to Dogecoin, Reddit was really pumping that price and the fact that it was on Robinhood and people had a bit of a grumpy opinion towards Robinhood at the time. But then, and like when it comes to like pump and dumps, which are a type of basically Ponzi-esque scheme where people are pumping up the price of crypto and making really large trades just to get out while the general public is stuck holding the bag for the high price crypto. Can you explain what pump and dump means in an example? Yeah, so imagine a coin is worth a penny and it gets a lot of trade volume very, very quickly. So the price starts going up a bit. So then the general public starts looking at, all right, well, the coin's now five cents. And so they start trading it. So it gets more trade volume. So it keeps going up. But really the initial kind of wave was a few large investors or the people that were built out the currency or designed it. Um, and they'll just basically sell at the very high price so they're trading it back and forth it's like two guys just trading it back and forth to make it go from a penny to a nickel to a dime in like oversimplified ways yeah and then the general public that was like watching the price go up and were buying in are kind of stuck holding a currency that they bought in at 20 cents and now it's back to one a nickel Yeah. yeah because they when it got to 25 cents or a quarter or whatever all the people that were trading it back and forth at a penny to make it go up sold it all yeah what, and it made it crash what was that card game like where you're not supposed to be holding the queen at the end basically that we're like as long as yeah. you know when to give away the queen so you don't have it at the end that's where people are making the money but like if you're stuck holding the queen at the end of the game you're in trouble yeah and i think a lot of people don't know when something is going to crash so people panic sell or panic buy cryptocurrency i would assume at a higher rate than they do stock so when I 
got into Bitcoin or I got into a crypto company. Bitcoin was at like three or four grand. And I was just, you know, I worked for a crypto company. I got caught up in it. I was putting a hundred dollars paycheck in and I put like a little bit of money in when it was eight grand. And everyone looked at me and they're like, you're an idiot. It's at eight grand. Like, what are you doing? And then it got to 20 grand and everyone told me like, should I invest in crypto? I was like, I have no idea. Like it's shot up to 20 grand. And then it crashed back down to eight grand. And I was like, should I invest in crypto? I was like, I have no idea. I just kind of kept going that way. And then now it's like, it's crashed down substantially from its high, but it's still at like almost $40,000, which is double the price when people were like panicking when it hit 20 and dropped down to eight. So like, if you had still invested in 20 and held onto it, you still doubled your money. You just had to kind of go along for the ride for a bit. Right. There's no real stable market projections when it comes to cryptocurrency like Bitcoin because anything could happen where with a company you have a pretty good idea of what Tesla's going to do. Do you? I mean Elon Musk might just tweet at like the SEC sometimes. And, like, <laughs> that was a bad example yeah. but you have a pretty good idea of what most companies going to do and as long as there isn't a huge scandal it's probably not going to drop significantly and as long as there isn't a huge innovation it's probably not going to raise significantly but if you think of it as a stock if you tripled your value of a stock, that would be a decent investment, but you can never know that mm -hmm. with a cryptocurrency because there's so many of them now. Can you explain the difference between all the major cryptocurrencies? I mean, you, I kind of get, they all run on different blockchains or at least some of them do. The ones you really have to think about are just Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solano, which is kind of what NFTs partially run on as well. They, they all just have different kind of transaction flows and ways to like get things on the blockchain and try to think oh man this is actually really hard to describe like the difference between cryptocurrencies without getting very very technical so the main bitcoin or sorry the main cryptocurrencies that i know are bitcoin ethereum litecoin dogecoin but ethereum for example then has a bunch of other coins that run on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. So like you can make a coin that exchanges. So when Ethereum goes up or down, your coin goes up or down, but you're not having to pay the Ethereum coin price. Sort of. So yeah, Bitcoin, so Bitcoin, Litecoin, Litecoin is literally like Bitcoin. So Litecoin runs on the Bitcoin protocol. But oh, okay. how Bitcoin works is it's a basically a transactional coin. So like I send money somewhere and that's kind of it. It's also an investment product. It's like all those things. Ethereum was built out to be a smart contract coin of the best way, like the most notable way to describe it. Um, and all the coins based on top of it are just other things that were built on the Ethereum protocol that are just doing their own thing. So it's really cool in the sense that I think I forget the guy's name. There's like a very famous uh, like crypto TED Talk speaker that basically said the best thing about Bitcoin is it's the smartest dumb technology ever built. And basically what he meant was like when it comes to Bitcoin, Bitcoin doesn't have any controls it built in. So like when you type in like on Amazon, your credit card, and it's like, that's not a real credit card number. Like, or that, that credit card number is not attached to that address. Like, crypto doesn't have that really built in. As long as it's a real Bitcoin address, it's just going to send it to wherever There's you no in. verification. Like Yeah, so 
like the cool thing about it is if you for good or bad if like someone is in a situation you're like i need to get them money and you have bitcoin like very very quickly you could get that person money or mm -hmm. if you want to buy a car and the car dealership accepts bitcoin and you have the bitcoin in your wallet you can very quickly send it to the car dealership to pay for the car um but then on the negative side of that you can very quickly send money to less desirable individuals let's talk about that for a second there's a lot of fraud that goes on around bitcoin and cryptocurrency the number one that a lot of people know is grandmothers elderly women get called and are told that their grandson is being held in a foreign country and for ransom they need to send ten thousand dollars in bitcoin mm -hmm. to this wallet and you working for a cryptocurrency company you get a lot of those calls what does that look like what are the signs and what do people most need to know to avoid these scams so the most common scam we see there there's two of them and it used to be the grandma and like your granddaughter is being held up in a foreign country um but that's kind of gone by the wayside for romance scams met someone on tinder met someone on facebook they need money to get home um i'm gonna go send them Bitcoin so they have the money to get home, which we see 100 times a week. And then the other one is the investment scams. And like the problem with investment scams is like when it comes to Dogecoin, it was all on Twitter and Reddit. And the reason Dogecoin was like price was going up and people knew how to get into Dogecoin was there was on Reddit being like, all right, Dogecoin's going up, time to invest. How do I do it? Robinhood, perfect, let's go. And so what they see is they see some scammer reach out to them on Instagram or Twitter or Reddit and says, invest in this random investment product, which is clearly fake. And in their mind, they just attribute social media crypto gains because all the news talked about how a bunch of people on social media picked a crypto and made a lot of money. So what should people look for if you get a message on Facebook or Instagram that says, hey, invest $100 into this cryptocurrency and you'll see four hundred dollars in a week so like that's the thing that like you have to think about is crypto is as volatile as like a investment product as you can get no one's going to be able to guarantee you if you give me five hundred dollars next week i'll give you a thousand like that just doesn't happen especially because it's an international currency that goes up and down by the second yeah, there is there no was... way that somebody has a secret a couple months ago, everyone was talking about how crypto is about to, like Bitcoin is about to hit $100,000. And now everyone's talking about how, like, instead of putting money in the stock market and losing half of it in six months, though, into Bitcoin, you'll lose half of it in two days. Like, it's all, <laughs> it's all just like up and down as substantial as you can get. So, like, when it comes to investment, go to a reputable company and make sure, one, that they have like a registration on in whichever jurisdiction they're going for two, it will be designed like a real website a lot of fake investment sites are like just copy and paste from other fake investment sites so like go check to see if it's real uh if they have matt damon as their sponsor during a super bowl commercial that typically helps they own the naming rights to a major sporting arena also a good sign they're real is there anything on the website that would verify it's real like a FCC stamp. So everyone in the U.S. has to be registered as an MSB, which is a money service business online at the bottom of their website or somewhere on their website. It should have an MSB registration number. You can go to the government website at FinCEN, look it up, 
And if they exist, they're real, they're registered. So look for an MSB number, Google it, make sure it's a real number. But the other, well, it, it's on a very specific like FinCEN website, but like the other thing is like, it's much easier to spot a fake one. So if they're promising returns outside of like 2% interest on like your crypto, it's, it's not real. No one can yeah. promise returns. And then also what I tell, I have an entire fraud team that works for me, click a random picture on the website and just reverse image search it on Google. And if any other website uses that image, as an investment site, or if like, if it's a stock image, it's not real. Like Coinbase right now is not using stock images of Brian Armstrong as their CEO. Like they have a real picture of their CEO. And then also copy the most obscure sentence structure on the website and do the same thing. Throw into Google. If it comes up on 10 different investment sites, it's fake. All right. Whenever there's a major event in the world, people for some reason just will exploit the general populace for it. So very, very, very quickly after Ukraine was like, we're accepting donations in crypto, um, a bunch of hacker groups and dark web uh, marketplaces and like, we'll say nefarious individuals in the world set up fake investment sites. It's just, you're watching like Russian hacker groups just set up fake investment sites or fake uh, donation sites just Saying that and they're helping out Ukraine, but really it's yeah. funneling money to Russia. Yeah, which isn't what you want to see. And then whenever, and I, I feel awful whenever this happens, but like we saw it when COVID started, whenever there's a major event where the news shows like people fleeing something, romance scams just kind of skyrocket. So yeah. you'll see like, instead of my husband stuck on an oil rig, like, my new husband who I've only met on words with friends and Tinder or only talked to on WhatsApp needs $7,000 right now to buy a car to get out of Ukraine. I'm like, what? Yeah. You also investigate beyond just fraud, uh, such as embezzlement, human trafficking. How do those work into the crypto world? When it comes to human trafficking, it's everything from paying for the ads online, to when you are putting someone into, or if you're kind of coercing someone into a, a situation where they are being trafficked and you are trying to get individuals to pay for the services, you need to put ads online. We're finding crypto being used for that. And then also we're finding crypto being used to send money overseas to the initial person that got this individual to come to the US in the first place. So I work for a crypto ATM company, and this is probably the best thing I can tell you is if you have a crypto ATM in your, like in your location, or you just happen to be walking by a place with a crypto ATM and you see a female with a male standing directly behind her, um, and she looks very nervous, go find out who operates that crypto ATM. It will be on the screen and call them and let them know. Most crypto companies have investigation teams like the one I built out at my company and they'll be able to work with law enforcement to hopefully get that person help. That is excellent. We're going to shift a little bit. Okay. Well, what the fuck is an NFT? It's a non-fungible token. And what does that mean? First of all, what's fungible? Uh, well, it's not fungible. It's in the words. An NFT is supposed to be a individual, basically representation of something that cannot be replicated. And it is one of one. 
is really the best way to describe what an NFT is. I know the joke of like copy paste, like it's just a JPEG. You can't copy and paste it. In theory, like you can definitely screenshot any NFT and congrats you on an NFT. Uh, it's kind of the joke, but it's supposed to be basically non-fungible means it's one of one. Um, and because it's on the blockchain, I sell it to you. Everyone knows that that one of one token went from me to you and now you're the holder of it. So it's public it, record that I now own this ideally digital, not physical or tangible item, a digital item that ideally cannot be replicated. Yes. But then you also have like squiggly lines selling for $4.3 million. So who knows? And <laughs> when those squiggly lines sell for $4.3 million in our public record and make the news, how often are those money laundering schemes? So that's a question I've actually talked to a few people about. Um, so from what I can tell right now, there's clearly like money laundering and high volume loss trading, which is just one person trading something back and forth between two entities they own to get the price up higher. And then when you think about like all those crazy movies you used to watch where like there was some Russian oligarch in an art gallery that is like trying to buy some $5 million painting and like show off how rich they are and also launder money through art. This is just digital art. So you kind of have to assume that the same type of situation is happening um, just online instead of in some art gallery. And when those movies happen, a lot of times people are stealing that art. How easy is it to steal an NFT? In theory, it's supposed to be very, very difficult. I know there's been like stories of major thefts, not only in NFTs, but in like crypto exchanges. That relies more so on the like company that you are offering the service through. So when it came to like NFTs that were being sold at one one hundredth of the price that they were supposed to be sold at, it was because the protocol and like the kind of code that was being used to sell the product instead of deleting old prices, it was just layering prices on top and someone found like that the old prices were still active. So they would just buy it at the much older price. Imagine walking into Target and they're like, they're being a 50% discount from Black Friday and you're now five months later. So those prices clearly don't exist. But for some reason, Target just like kept the price code still underneath like the one that they're listing right now. So if you just rip off the first one, it's like, oh, look, it's on sale. Um, and then you go to the checkout counter and you're like, no, yeah. no, no, it says it's on sale. And they're like, yeah. okay, I guess it's on sale. So like that was, those are like some of the situations you're seeing. Um, but theoretically, crypto should be very hard to steal or Bitcoin or Ethereum, like any of them because of how it's designed where the only person that can send the crypto is the person that has access to the wallet or the keys. Theoretically, it should be very, very hard to steal. And when you are buying cryptocurrency on, say, Robinhood, Coinbase, any of the mm -hmm. major apps, or through a bank like you have, or through a crypto ATM like your mm -hmm. company has, for you're not buying a whole Bitcoin at, you know, $100. The good old days. <laughs> you can put in a small amount of money and buy a bit of a Bitcoin. Didn't you tell me you want to trade in your bit for another bit like a couple of months ago? You're like, yeah, I, I don't like, like this bit. My I don't like my bit of a coin. When Bitcoin started falling, I told you, I don't like my bit of a coin and I would like a different bit of a coin. 
because my bit of a coin was on sale. I mean, right now it's just a fire sale on crypto. Yes, um, uh, it's fallen substantially, but like you said, there's no predicting of what's going to happen tomorrow. It could go back up. Is there anything people should know about what, how they buy Bitcoin and what they're actually buying? So Robinhood is basically an investment site uh, until they open up their wallet. Like all you can really do is buy whatever crypto you bought and sell whatever crypto you bought, which is like a true investment. You can't use it for anything else because all you're doing is buying and selling. So essentially, when you buy on Robinhood, you are buying into a stock market version of Bitcoin. You are not buying a Bitcoin. Yeah. Then when you buy on like certain exchanges, uh, they're called custodial exchanges, which basically means that think about like a bank, you put hundreds of thousands of dollars into a bank account. It's not like if you walk into Chase right now and you're like, I would like all my money in cash. They just can hand you the same dollar bills that you put back into the bank. Like they will give you a representation of the money and okay. those are what like custodial exchanges are we're like your account is showing how much crypto you own but not what crypto like the bitcoin you put in isn't necessarily the bitcoin like you're going to get out. like it's still from your wallet but it's not being held by you uh it's being held by the company that you are putting it through so that like, kind of makes sense but it's also very confusing what it means is like the only place that that cryptocurrency exists and the only person that can access that is the holder of that wallet. It's more of the same of putting $1,000 into a Chase bank account versus putting $1,000 under your mattress. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Where, yeah. Where the only people that really know you have $1,000 under the mattress are the people you told you have $1,000 under your mattress. Okay. I think those are all of my questions for cryptocurrency. Can I ask you questions about your life now? Sure. Okay. What's one life lesson that you've had to learn over and over again? Anything that, so the one lesson that like, I've been trying to instill in myself for the last like three years is anything that can take two minutes should be done now. So like yeah. putting away dishes, putting away your coat. It, it's helping future you. Your procrastination only hurts future you. And if it's, you know, not huge, like do your taxes then do it now. Yeah. Okay. What's one piece of advice you wish you had at 18? Just risk things more often. Cause like every major life decision I've ever made has been like the fact that like I was willing to risk like wherever the stakes were. If the stakes are high, it's probably going to be the best benefit. So like the best trips I've ever taken are the ones where I was like, I mean, I guess I could just randomly plan a trip for two weeks from now. Like why not? And like, it's just when you're uncomfortable, it typically has the best end result, I guess, best way to describe it. That's a good answer. What's the best piece of career advice you've ever gotten? My old professor told me that no one really remembers the awkward conversation they had with a random person. So like basically, if you are like at a conference and there's that one person you've always wanted to talk about, and you go up and the conversation goes phenomenally, they're going to remember that conversation and it's only going to be a benefit. But if the conversation goes off the rails and like you don't hold your own or like you were a bit awkward, like that person's not going to remember you 30 seconds later. Go have those conversations. Go, go meet the people you want to meet. Go up to the person that you think is five years senior and like won't give you the time of day because like either it's going to go great or really nothing's going to happen. 
Seth, thank you so much. If people want to know more about cryptocurrency or what you do, is there anywhere that they can go? Yeah. So when it comes to preventing scams and crime and all of that, uh, myself and the company I work for and a few other companies started a industry working group. So crypto3c.org, we're going to just start putting out like weekly how not to fall victim to scams in crypto or if you're trying to get into crypto, how to investigate illicit activity to help you progress your career better, things like that. So our goal is just to make it a safer ecosystem. And then in the meantime, yeah, if you ever get presented with the opportunity to invest in crypto, just be, be cautious with who reached out to you. That's really good advice. Cool. That, that would be the advice I give someone. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, Non-fungible tokens, <laughs> NFTs. So now you guys have gotten a little bit of insight into my brother, who he is, what he does, also a little bit of our relationship snuck in there. But if you're interested in cryptocurrency, NFTs, whatever interests you within the realm of investing in alternative currencies, I highly recommend reaching out to him. I will put that URL into the show notes so that you can go ahead into the show notes and find exactly where you need to go for all the information he just mentioned. But if you want to know more, please use reputable sites and information portals in order to find whatever it is you're looking for. And don't just go with the first available information on social media. Thank you guys so much. We have more coming at you next week. So keep checking back. That's all for today's episode. Check back in next week to talk a little more shit with me. In the meantime, be sure to grab your copy of Shit Adults Never Taught Us on Amazon and Barnes & Noble to learn all the shit adults never taught us. And in case no one told you this week, you're killing it. So keep going, you genuine badass.